Welcome to Twisted Tales of Madness and Murder Presents, A Solid Foundation. This tale starts outside of a green rambler house during the day, back in the 80s. We find Roger, who is in his 40s, wearing a black t-shirt and jeans, standing in the driveway, drinking a beer, and washing his 1970 Impala. Roger watches a red pickup truck pull into the driveway next door, and Jerry, also in his 40s, climbs out. Jerry's daughter, Tiffany, who is 15, gets out of the passenger side. Tiffany walks down to the mailboxes as Jerry walks over to Roger. Card's looking pretty slick there, Roger. Roger gently runs his hand across the top of the Impala, his pride obvious. Damn right it does. This bitch is the baddest ride in this entire town. I can't argue that one with you. How's that back thing yours doing? Roger reaches down and grabs his lower back. Seems to be getting a little better. Once you're at home and all, figure you still aren't able to go back to work? Roger glares back at Jerry. What do you care if I go back to work or not? You working for the fucking state or something? Jerry reacts in disbelief. <laughs> what are you talking about? I was just asking. Mm-hmm. I think I know what you're trying to say. You think I'm faking my injury? You think I'm some kind of low-life piece of shit, just, you know, looking for my chance to suck on a government's tit? Jerry holds his hands up. I wasn't saying anything like that, Roger. Jerry turns to his house as he hears his phone ringing. Look, I gotta go. Have a good night. Jerry runs into his house as Tiffany comes walking up the driveway with the mail as Roger looks her up and down, stopping at her chest. Damn, girl. You are growing up fast. I remember when you were just an itty-bitty little thing. Now you are developing into a fine-ass-looking woman. Roger snorts appreciatively at her obvious discomfort. I say if there's grass on the field, then we play ball. Roger winks at her. Get what I'm saying? Tiffany, feeling awkward, hurries into her house. Roger stares at her ass until she disappears behind the front door, then shakes his head. <sighs> Fucking cocktease. Roger goes back to washing the Impala when Justin, who is ten, comes walking up the street with his shirt torn and a bloody lip. Roger glances over, briefly catching a glimpse of his bloodied son. His head whips back around to face him. What the fuck? He drops the hose and takes a swig of his beer. What is this happy horse shit? What the hell happened to you? I don't want to talk about it. Justin, with his head hung low, walks up the driveway and tries to pass by Roger. Roger slaps his hand against Justin's chest, stopping him in his tracks and causing him to wince in pain. Unless you want me to add a black eye to your face, you better answer my fucking question, boy. What the hell happened? We were cutting through Old Man's Trail on the way home from school, and we got jumped by a couple older kids. We? Who were you with? Justin looks away, but Roger grabs his face and turns it back. Did I stutter? You look at me when I'm talking to you, boy! Now who were you with? 
Lan Lee. Roger cringes as he shakes his head in disgust. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. Well, it's no fucking wonder you got your stupid ass jumped. What have I told you about hanging out with people that aren't white? Hmm? They are weak. You surround yourself with weak people, you become weak. Justin stares at Roger in silence, causing Roger to slap the back of his head. You copy me, boy? Because it feels like I'm talking to a goddamn brick wall and shit. Yes, sir. Let me give you a nickel's worth of free advice. It's the strong that run this shitbox of a world we live in, not the weak. The weak are what the strong people use to abuse, then kick to the curb when we're done with them. Roger looks around the neighborhood, then back at Justin. Don't disappoint me and become one of the weak. Now get your ass up inside and get cleaned up before your mother get home and find you looking all torn up. It's been on the fucking rag this week, so she'll get all up in my shit about picking your ass up from school every day if she sees this. I ain't no fucking chauffeur, so that's the last thing I got time to do. Justin walks into the house as Roger takes another swig from his beer. Yeah, he's one of the weak. Don, in his 50s, Roger's neighbor from the other side walks up the driveway. Howdy, neighbor. Roger is still facing the house as he hears Don's greeting behind him. He rolls his eyes before turning around to face his older neighbor. Don't even start bitching about how long the fucking grass is. Don looks over at the yard, then back at Roger. It is a little long, but that's not why I came over. Have you been missing anything out of your mailbox lately? Roger looks over at the row of mailboxes across the street, then back at Don. No. Well, some of the bills I've put out haven't been getting to their destinations. We also haven't been getting some of our incoming mail. The fuck do you want me to do about it, Don? Do I look like the fucking Postmaster General? Calm down, Roger. I'm not asking you to do anything. I was just curious if by chance you might have seen somebody hanging around the boxes is all. Look, Don, I have better things to do with my time than sit here and stare out the window at the fucking mailboxes. I could stand here and pretend that I actually give a shit about what you were saying, but I don't want to. So why don't you drag your fat ass back across the street and out of my fucking face. Roger smiles cryptically at Don, who stands speechless. Roger turns the hose off and tosses it against the house, then walks into the garage, ignoring the stunned look on Don's face. Roger closes the garage door, then surveys the garage as he locks the door. He takes a final swig of beer, tossing the empty bottle in a box overflowing with empty bottles. A stack of Don's mail sits next to it. He turns and walks into the house. Night has fallen, and Justin sits at the dinner table working on his homework. As Sarah, in her 30s, dressed in conservative clothing, is busy getting dinner ready. So how was school today, Justin? We had a police officer come in today and talk to the class. Is that so? What did he have to say? It was actually a woman. 
Roger walks into the kitchen, grabbing the chair across from Justin and sits down. How the fuck can they let a split tail be a fucking cop? And this world has gone completely fucking mad. You're supposed to be able to trust a police officer. How the fuck can you trust anything that bleeds for three days every month and doesn't die? Shit. At the rate this country's going, I mean, before we know it, we're going to have a colored in charge. I think it's nice to see women in the workforce doing more jobs that have always been labeled for men. Well, nobody gives a flying fuck what you think. Now, how long till that fucking food finds its way to the fucking table? I mean, I'm starving for fucking Christ's sake. <sighs> it's coming. Roger sighs as he looks over at Justin, who quickly looks down at his schoolwork. Sarah walks over and sets a plate in front of Roger. By the way, Justin doesn't have school tomorrow. What do you mean he doesn't have school tomorrow? Some kind of data day or something like that. (sighs) That's just great. Man, I had shit I was going to do. What did you have to do? Just some things. Sarah gives Roger an inquisitive look before grabbing another plate, filling it with food and setting it down in front of Justin. Well, I guess you get to take your son along on your errands. Oh, boy! Just what I want to do! Roger sticks his fork in the food and is in the process of bringing it to his mouth when he suddenly stops. What is wrong with this picture? Sarah looks at Roger. Um, what's wrong? Could you please explain why the fuck a goddamn pea is in my food? Sarah looks at the fork. I thought I got all of them out. Well, apparently you missed one, didn't you, dipshit? Sorry. Sarah reaches for the fork, but Roger grabs her by the Ah! neck and pulls her close. Why is it I feel that sorry isn't very sincere? Right? If you were truly sorry, this shit would have never even made it on my fork. Sarah struggles to break free, but Roger tightens his grip as Justin sits in his chair, terrified. A menacing look crosses Roger's face, and his eyes narrow as he glares at Sarah. Maybe you should check the rest of my plate to make sure there are no more. Roger forces Sarah's head down and smashes it into the food on his plate. Well, what's the story? You see any more? Roger laughs as he continues to smear Sarah's face in the food. What's that you say? I can't hear you. Roger lifts Sarah's head up, revealing her food-covered face, then looks down at his plate. Look what you've gotten done with my food. I can't eat this shit now. Go fix me another plate. And this time, make sure no peas find their way into it. Roger releases his grip on Sarah's neck and shoves her to the floor as Justin suddenly stands up. Where the fuck are you going? To help Mom. She doesn't need your help, hero. Sit your ass back down. Sarah, crying, slowly stands up and makes her way to the stove. See? She's fine. If she would have just done things right the first time, none of this would have happened. It's like training a dog. Sometimes in order to get the fucker to listen, do the right thing, you need to display a bit of dominance and flex some horror on it. Roger laughs as he takes a swig of beer, and Justin sits back down, glaring at Roger. You got something to say? 
Justin continues to stare at him as Roger slams his beer down. Because it sure in the hell looks like you got something to say. Well, what you waiting for? I'm all ears. Sarah spins around and looks at Justin. Justin. Justin looks over at her. Just eat your dinner. Justin looks back at Roger, then down at his food as he scoops up a forkful and sticks it in his mouth. Just like I thought. Fucking nutless. Sarah brings a new plate of food and sets it in front of Roger. Do I need to have you look this over? Sarah shakes her head no as Roger looks down at the food, grabbing his fork. Then what the fuck are we waiting for, huh? Let's have ourselves a happy family dinner. Roger laughs as he takes a bite, looking back and forth at the horrified looks on the faces of Sarah and Justin. The next day, we find Roger, with one hand on the steering wheel and one arm out the window, driving the freshly polished Impala down a busy street. Justin sits in the passenger seat, emotionless. When you drive a car like this, a car that's not only mean-looking but sexy as fuck, you never let it drive you. You drive it. Roger slaps the back of Justin's head. You copy? Justin ignores Roger and stares out the front window. Roger shakes his head from the lack of response from Justin as he pulls up in front of a massage parlor. The parlor's front door has been covered with thick black velvet. The windows are blacked out. A small neon light above the door flashes open. What are we doing here? Get my pipes cleaned. Roger reaches across Justin, opening the glove box and spilling out some of the contents. A handgun falls into Justin's lap, causing his eyes to grow wide in terror. Roger quickly scoots up the gun and stuffs it back into the glove box, then pulls out a small vial filled with cocaine. You want to experience something great? I'm talking total fucking Nirvana boy. Roger holds up the vial and shakes it. Snort some of this shit off a naked chick's ass. Hmm? It'll make you feel like a goddamn fucking king. Roger stuffs the vial in his pants. Now keep your ass in the car and keep your crumb grabbers off my shit, you hear me? I'll be back in a little while. How long are you going to be? Roger grabs his groin. As long as possible. And if you say one word of this to your mother, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to beat the ever-living shit out of her. Roger gets out and slams the door, then cautiously walks up to the door of the massage parlor. How is that different from any other day? Justin watches as Roger knocks on the door. Roger paces back and forth before a scantily clad brunette finally opens the door. She sticks her head out and surveys the parking lot before looking back at Roger with an irritated look. They exchange several words before Roger pulls out the vial to show the woman. The brunette's expression quickly turns to pleasure as she grabs hold of Roger and pulls him into the building. Justin watches the door of the massage parlor swing shut. 
Night has fallen, and we find Roger back at home, sitting on the couch, in the living room, watching TV and drinking a beer. Sarah walks in the front door, tired from working a double shift. Roger continues to watch TV, not even acknowledging Sarah, who is looking around at the messy house. Where's Justin? In his room, fucking around, probably. Sarah takes off her shoes. So what did you guys do today? Ran errands like I said we would do. Sarah walks around and sits on the couch next to Roger. (sighs) Roger, we really need to talk. Get the fuck off my nuts already. Jesus Christ, can't you see I'm trying to watch some TV? Roger points at the TV. This Jack Tripper may be one goofy motherfucker, but he's rooming with two hot bitches I'd like to bend over and give the goods to. You know what I mean? Sarah looks over at the TV, then back at Roger. This isn't you. You've changed because of the drugs. I know you think I don't know about it, but I do. Roger, irritated, rubs the stubble on his face. Is that so? Sarah, nervous, slides to the edge of the couch. Did you make it to your doctor's appointment? It's just been a while, and we could really use the added income from you going back to work. Roger, angry, looks at Sarah. Income is more important than my motherfucking well-being. I didn't say that. Made sure in the hell sounded that way to me. Did it ever cross your feeble mind that perhaps I don't want to go back to work? That perhaps I'm content just to sit on my ass doing nothing? As opposed to destroying my body every day at this shitty-ass job? We're drowning in debt, Roger. We have no money. I can't keep working these double shifts. If you're that concerned about finances, perhaps you should just drag your ass up and down the highway, found you some Johns that, you know, would actually pay to fuck you. Roger looks Sarah up and down. However, unless they're blind, you're going to have a hard time finding somebody willing to pay for what you got. Roger turns his attention back to the television. What's wrong with you? How can you say those things to me? You're not going to shut up, are you? Roger stands up and turns off the television. Roger turns around and steps in front of Sarah. What are you doing? Well, since you won't let me watch TV or shut your mouth, I guess I'm just going to have to fill it with something. Roger reaches down and unzips his pants. I'm going to bed. Sarah gets up, but Roger grabs her and forces her back down on the couch. You're not going anywhere. Roger grabs Ah! Sarah's face, Ah! forcing her mouth open. Now, be a good girl and don't speak with your mouth full. Roger drops his pants. Justin sits on the floor in his bedroom playing with some action figures when Sarah, eyes bloodshot from crying, walks in. Hey, baby. Sarah sits down on the edge of the bed and runs her hand across the top of Justin's head. How are you doing? Justin looks up at her. Why can't we just leave? We don't have to stay here with them. Where would we go? We have no money. Justin gets up and looks into his mother's eyes. Anywhere but here, we can find a way. 
I promise you one day we will get out of here. Now please, just give me a hug. Sarah's eyes fill with tears as she grabs Justin and hugs him tight. The next day, we find Justin on the kitchen floor with a collection of Star Wars toys spread out across the floor as he stages a battle between the Empire and the Rebellion. A knock comes from the front door. Justin gets up and opens the door to find Heaven, 20s, dressed in tight black pants and a bright red low-cut top, revealing her ample cleavage. Heaven looks at Justin in shock. This has got to be some kind of a joke. You can't possibly be my date. Date? I think you've got the wrong house. Roger suddenly grabs Justin and shoves him out of the way as he makes his way to the front door. You, Roger? Roger just nods yes as he looks heaven up and down. Wow. They weren't talking shit when they said you were built like a brick shit house. Roger twirls his index finger around. Turn around. I want to see the whole package. Heaven looks back at Justin, then at Roger before hesitantly turning around. Slowly. Heaven slows down. I'm so going to crack that shit open like a coconut. Get that sweet ass in here. Roger steps aside, letting Heaven into the house, then closes the door. Heaven walks over to the couch and sits down. Justin stands at the entrance of the kitchen as Roger sits down next to Heaven, sliding his hand up her exposed thigh, but Heaven grabs it, stopping it. What about the kid? Roger looks back at Justin, then at Heaven. What about him? I say let him watch. You can see firsthand how his old man lays the pipe. Roger grabs Heaven's chest, but she quickly grabs it and drops it away. Look, I may do a lot of things, but that isn't one of them. You've got to do something with him. Fine. Roger takes in a deep breath and slowly lets it out as he stands up and marches over to Justin, who is holding one of his action figures. Roger looks down at the action figure. What is wrong with you? Roger snatches the figure out of Justin's hand. You want to grow up on your knees sucking cock? Or having one shoved up your ass? Justin stands in silence. Well, do ya? No. Roger holds the figure in front of Justin's face. Then stop playing with all this fucking shit. This is just as bad as playing with fucking Barbies. Roger throws the figure against the wall, then kicks the rest of them across the kitchen floor. Chill. Roger grabs Justin by the shirt, picking him up off the ground. Jesus Christ, take it easy on the kid. Roger spins around, glaring at heaven. Bitch, from this point forward, the only time that mouth of yours should be open is when I shove my cock down your throat. Roger turns his attention back to Justin, carrying him across the kitchen to the back door and crushing the figures in his path. About time you get your ass outside. Do something manly for a change. Roger slides the door open and tosses Justin out onto the grass. Keep your ass out here and don't even think about coming in. Roger slams the door shut and turns back to heaven as he unlatches his belt. 
I hope you brought crutches because when I'm done, you ain't going to be able to walk for a fucking week. Justin sits on the grass, rubbing his backside and staring angrily at the closed door. Justin slaps the side of his head, then gets up and walks over to a large tree that he hits with a stick he picked up off the ground. Justin notices the neighbor's cat walking along the top of the fence. So he wants me to do something manly? Justin tosses the stick down and looks at the cat. Here, kitty kitty. Justin kneels down as he snaps his fingers together. Come here. The cat jumps down from the fence and makes its way toward Justin. That's it. Keep coming. Justin slowly reaches back behind him and picks up a medium-sized rock as he continues to snap his fingers with his other hand. Come on, kitty, kitty, kitty. The cat meows as it steps up to Justin. Justin glares at the house. How's this for manly? Justin quickly grabs the cat with his hand and with his other swings the rock up over his head and down on top of the cat's head, crushing it. Justin just stares at the cat as its legs twitch violently for several seconds, then go still. Justin slowly picks the rock back up, pulling chunks of the cat's skull with it. The neighbor's voice floats across the yard. Felix! Felix! Come on, boy. Where are you at? Justin looks over at the fence and lets out a quiet laugh as he tosses the rock onto the ground. Come on, boy. Don't you want your food? Justin casually reaches down, grabbing the carcass of the cat and walking it to the side of the house, dumps it in the garbage can. Justin sits on his Star Wars-covered bed, reading a book at night, when a loud crash from the next room startles him. Screaming and yelling, quickly follow the loud crash. Get back here, you little bitch! Stay away from me, you animal! Animal? You think I'm some kind of fucking animal? I'll show you what kind of animal I really am. Justin cringes as he drops his book and covers his ears, trying to shield out his mother's screams. Something slams into the wall, knocking over things on Justin's dresser. How the fuck did that feel, huh, bitch? Leave her alone. The door to the master bedroom opens. Sarah, bleeding from the mouth and wearing a torn nightgown, stumbles down the hallway, slamming into the wall and knocking down several framed family photos. Sarah crawls down the hall on her hands and knees toward the living room. Roger, wearing just his jeans, steps out into the hallway, smiling. Just like a fucking animal. I'm gonna bring down my prey. Sarah continues to crawl down the hallway. The fuck do you think you're going? I'm far from being done with you. Roger walks up and grabs Sarah by the hair, jerking her to her feet, causing her to scream out in pain. Sarah swings her hands wildly, hitting Roger several times in the chest and face as she screams. Justin... Angry, jumps off his bed and gets on his hands and knees, searching frantically under his bed for something. Where is it? 
Roger drags Sarah out into the living room, forcing her face first onto the couch. Sarah's screams are muffled by the couch cushions as she struggles to break free from Roger's grasp, but is unable. Go ahead, keep struggling, bitch. It's just going to make this feel so much better. Get off me! Leave me alone, asshole! You got one thing right. I am about to get off. Roger, with one hand holding Sarah down by the back of her neck, uses his other hand to reach down and tear her panties off. No! Stop it! Roger shoves the panties up against his nose and sniffs them before tossing them on the floor. There will be a lot less rape in this world if you cunts just said yes more often. Stop! Sarah raises her head, but Roger shoves it back down into the cushion and delivers a punch <gasps> to her side that knocks the wind out of her. Sarah labors to catch her breath. Uh, please! Roger looks down at her ass. How is it possible I've waited this long to sodomize my own wife, hmm? I mean, mm, look at this amazing ass. Roger slaps it, then reaches down to unbutton his pants as Sarah sobs. Save that whining for when I crack the seal and the real pain starts. Get off my mother. Roger, in shock, looks up to find Justin standing at the end of the hallway. I must be dreaming. What the fuck did you just say to me? Sarah, with tears running down her face, looks up at Justin. Uh, go back to your room, baby. I'm fine. Shut your pie hole. Roger grabs her head and shoves it back into the cushion, then glares at Justin. Unless you want the beating of your life, you little shitstain, I suggest you listen to your mom and you get your ass back in that room. Like she said, everything is fine. No, I will not go back to my room. This all ends tonight. Justin raises Roger's gun and aims it at him. Maybe you didn't hear me right? I said get off her, asshole. Roger leans back. What the fuck do you plan on doing with that, tough guy? I plan on killing you with it. Is that so? You think you have the fucking balls to kill your old man in cold blood? Roger slowly stands up, allowing Sarah to spring up. But Roger holds her still. You stay put! Roger viciously punches <gasps> her in the face, knocking her out then turns his attention back to Justin. Now, where were we? Roger snaps his fingers. That's right. You were talking all big about how you could shoot me down in cold blood. I don't think you have it in you, boy. I think you're scared shitless. Pissing in your pants and just talking a line of bullshit. Roger steps toward Justin, who with shaky hands forces the gun toward him. Don't move. Justin quickly looks down at Sarah, who is struggling to open her eyes, then back at Roger. I'm not going to let you hurt her anymore. You think I was hurting her before? <laughs> that shit was just the tip of the iceberg. Right, after this little stun of yours, she is in for a world of pain. First, however, I'm going to need to teach you a lesson about fucking with my gun. 
I mean, what kind of parent would I be if I didn't do that? Justin, still aiming the gun at Roger, steadies his hands and takes a step towards him. You need to die. Roger slaps his chest. What the, what the fuck are you waiting? Ah! Justin squeezes the trigger, firing a round right into Roger's chest. The impact from the round sends Roger flailing backwards into the TV, knocking it off the stand and crashing onto the floor. Roger's lifeless body crumples over it like a weathered blanket as smoke drifts up from the barrel of the gun. Justin walks over and watches as the blood seeps from the bullet hole in Roger's chest onto the floor. You're done causing pain. Sarah regains consciousness and screams in horror when she sees Roger's body. No! Sarah hurries over to Roger's body, checking for a pulse, but not finding one. He's dead! Justin continues to stare at Roger's body. Justin! Sarah grabs Justin and spins him around, looking into his eyes. Justin! I couldn't let him hurt you anymore. He had to be stopped. All he ever did was cause pain. Sarah pulls him close and hugs him tight as sirens can be heard approaching in the distance. I'm sorry, Mom. You have nothing to be sorry about, Justin. I'm... I'm the one that's sorry. I don't want to do it, but I have no choice. Do... do what? Justin remains silent as Sarah leans back, looking into Justin's eyes. What do you have to do, Justin? I will always love you, Mother, but you are just too weak. What are you talking? Justin leans in and kisses her on the forehead before placing the barrel of the gun under her chin and pulling the trigger. Justin remains motionless as the top of his mother's head explodes, splattering the ceiling with blood and brain matter. Looks like I got us out of here. The front room is illuminated with red and blue lights as tires screeching to a halt and sirens can be heard out front. Justin quickly flips the gun around and uses his shirt to wipe down the handle, free of fingerprints, then sticks it in his mother's dead hand. Somebody pounds on the door. Police, open the door. Justin gets up casually and moves to the corner of the room and crouches into a ball. Open the door. The front door is suddenly kicking, sending chunks of door frame flying across the room. Police Officer Lettimore, 25, with his service revolver drawn, charges into the house, followed by another officer. The other officer checks the kitchen and hallway. Lettimore looks down at Roger and Sarah's bodies. Holy hell. Lettimore notices Justin in the corner. I got a kid. Lettimore hurries over to Justin. Are you okay? Are you hurt? Justin, with tears streaming down his face, looks up at Lettimore. Are they dead? Lettimore looks back at the bodies, then at Justin. Let's get you out of here. 
Lettimore leans down and picks up Justin. Do yourself a favor and just close your eyes. Lettimore steps over the bodies and carries Justin out of the house. We find Lettimore standing in a hospital in front of Dr. Anderson, who is going through a folder. Like I said, we had him down at the station all night. He wouldn't open up to anybody. We tried everything. What did you expect? I mean, the kid just watched his mother kill his father, then kill herself. He's in classic shutdown mode. But you can help him, right? He's gonna be okay. Honestly, right now that's really tough to say. What this kid has in front of him from here on out is is an uphill battle. How so? He's got no other family. Really? He's got nobody. So, what happens to him then? He'll be tossed in the foster program. He becomes property of the state. Just another number among an already overwhelming figure. A child needs a solid foundation from which to grow. And it's safe to say this young man is cracked. Anderson closes the folder and looks at Lettimore. Listen, I would love to stand here and chat with you, officer, but I have a waiting room full of patients. Anderson holds up the folder to a passing nurse. Go ahead and put him in room seven. The nurse grabs the folder and walks down the hall as Anderson puts his hand on Lettimore's shoulder. You've done everything you can, son. We will do our best. Justin, emotionless with his head down, sits in a chair in a waiting room that is filled with other kids. A door on the other side of the room opens and the nurse carrying the folder steps out. Justin? She stands at the door, looking around at all the kids. Justin? The nurse, irritated, sighs as she looks down at the folder, then out at the room. Justin? Justin Spurlock? Justin raises his head. We find Detective Spurlock, present day, sitting in the front seat of his 1970 Impala, which is parked in an alley that looks out onto a boardwalk with a pier that has several people fishing from it. A woman's brunette hair goes up and down in his lap. He looks up to make sure nobody is watching when he notices Mike, 35, wearing scrubby clothing, shoving his son, Jimmy, seven, whose entire crotch of his pants is wet, down the pier toward the public bathroom. Mike shoves Jimmy down the dock. What the fuck is wrong with you? Is it that fucking hard to hold it? Mike slaps the back of Jimmy's head as he continues to shove him along. I'm starting to think you're fucking retarded or something. I should be tossing my line in the water right now, but no, I gotta deal with your fucking piss pants. Mike gives Jimmy a harder shove, almost knocking him to the ground. Spurlock glares out the window at Mike. Fuck me. Christy, in her 20s, raises her head out of Spurlock's lap. I thought you just wanted a head. Spurlock looks at Christy with amazement. I'm not talking to you, dumb shit. Spurlock looks back out at the pier as Mike shoves Jimmy into the bathroom. Spurlock looks at Christy as he zips up his pants. It's your lucky day. Get the fuck out of my car. What? Lucky day? 
What about my money? What about your money? The money you owe me for doing my job and sucking your cock. <laughs> if you actually did your job, then you'd be gargling my cum right now instead of babbling this useless bullshit. You better give me my money or I'm going to the cops. I think you've been pumped full of so much cum it's clouded your fucking brain. Spurlock pulls his badge out and tosses it on the dash. I am the cops. Spurlock reaches past her and opens the passenger side door. Now get the fuck out before I have your sorry ass tossed in the can. Christy looks down at the badge, then at Spurlock. Ugh, fucking prick. Christy, mumbling obscenities, climbs out of the car and slams the door shut. Spurlock gets out. Mike stands in the bathroom in front of dirty sinks, using a handful of paper towels to try and dry Jimmy's pants. What a clusterfuck. This shit ain't working at all. Mike tosses the paper towels into one of the sinks in disgust. Oh, this is just great. Now you ruined my day. Now just look at yourself. Babies piss their pants for Christ's sake. Mike slaps the back of Jimmy's head again. Spurlock walks into the bathroom and straight up to Mike and punches him in the face. Mike staggers backwards, slamming into the wall. Motherfucker. Mike reaches up to his bloody nose. You cocksuck. Spurlock steps up and delivers a blow to Mike's stomach that quickly doubles him over. Spurlock grabs the back of Mike's hair and jerks him back up. How's it feel having someone bigger kick the shit out of you? Spurlock punches him in the stomach again, this time letting Mike fall to the floor. Jimmy watches in shock as Spurlock grabs the back of Mike's shirt and drags him into one of the filthy stalls. Let go of me. Spurlock stuffs Mike's head into the shit-clogged toilet, then pulls it back out. Mike spits out chunks of shit. Spurlock pulls out his gun and puts it up against Mike's head. What the fuck, dude? Spurlock pushes the barrel of the gun hard against Mike's head. Jesus Christ. Spurlock looks down at Mike's crotch that suddenly becomes wet. Look who's still a fucking baby. Spurlock picks Mike up and looks him in the eyes. If you ever touch that fucking boy again... I will end you. Spurlock reaches into Mike's pocket and pulls his wallet out, taking the cash and his driver's license. I know where you live, asshole, so I'll be checking in on you. Spurlock punches Mike in the gut, again dropping him to the floor as Spurlock looks at his watch. Shit, I gotta go. Time flies when you're having fun fucking somebody up. Spurlock turns to a terrified Jimmy. What do they do to monsters in the movies? Jimmy just stares back at Spurlock and shrugs his shoulders as Mike withers in pain on the floor. They kill him. Spurlock looks back at Mike, then back at Jimmy. Keep that in mind. Spurlock spits on Mike, then walks out of the bathroom. This concludes the tale a solid foundation. Keep those ears open for future episodes of Twisted Tales of Madness and Murder Presents.